I also had the uh, privilege today of celebrating the nine o'clock mass here at St. Joe's. And so I was walking over from the seminary, it had stopped raining, and I trusted my phone's app that we were only in for light rain this morning. It was on my app, so it couldn't be wrong. So I came out and figured I didn't need an umbrella and proceeded to be greeted by the Lord's generosity. But every time I get caught in the rain, I'm reminded of something. It's kind of a silly example, and I'm always a little embarrassed to share it, but I have no shame. So this surrounds a person, young woman by the name of Brenda. And it's funny how we never forget the names of certain people in our lives. So I was in fifth grade, and she was the love of my life. She just didn't know it. And one time I was down on State Street, you know, from far south side of Chicago, just hanging out on State Street. And if you're a native to the area, you'll remember that what is now Macy's used to be Marshall Fields. And I saw her going into Marshall Fields. You know, she was across the street. I thought, wow, this is my chance. You know, she's going to go in, go shopping. That'll give me time to get all my thoughts together. We'll be married by high school. You know, got this covered. And while I'm there, it starts to rain, um, a little bit lightly at first. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and 20 minutes turn into half an hour, and it starts raining a little bit harder, and I'm sitting there, standing there, getting more and more wet, you know, hour, hour and 15 minutes, and finally at about two hours, I was a soaked rat, and she never came out. The store is blocks long. It never occurred to me there might be another exit. But I remember that not just every time I get caught in the rain, but because it is a powerful witness to the kind of stuff that we do. Now, is a silly example for a fifth grader? Sure. But I was convinced, I was absolutely convinced that this was worth waiting for. And there was no downpour that was gonna dissuade me from that. There was no sense of feeling like a fool until eventually I got there that would dissuade me from that. And whether it's silly or not, I can point to my fifth grade self and say, there was a conviction. There was a conviction there that was not going to move me. I believed in why I was there. And I share that story because in the biblical sense of the word faith, that's what it looks like. Not waiting for your fifth grade girlfriend, but saying there is something here. There is something here that motivates me to such a degree that I can't act any other way. And I wish sometimes we could translate this word by something other than faith, because over the years that word has come to mean, well, what I believe or what I know. But in the biblical sense, faith isn't simply what you think. You know you have faith because of what you do. And that's why Abraham was held up as this giant of faith. He was viewed that way by the ancient Israelites, and he was viewed that way by the early Christians. Now think about this for a minute. Abraham had total freedom when Yahweh spoke to him because there was no backstory for him. He didn't even know it was Yahweh. He didn't know this was the God of the people of Israel. There was no covenant, there were no laws. It was just this voice that came to him, and for whatever reason, he trusted it. But he didn't just sit back and say, 
you know, true false exam, all right, this is Yahweh, true. He got up and he moved, and he didn't know where he was going. We're told that in the Hebrew Scriptures and in the letter to the Hebrews, appropriately enough, that's what's being celebrated in the early Christian church. He had no reason to believe other than the trust that he had. But that wasn't a trust based on experience. It was a trust based on a sense of, well, without asking him, we can't quite say. But he got up and he moved. And he didn't even know necessarily where he was going. Isaac, famous story, sacrifice of Isaac. We struggle maybe to understand that. But for the ancient Israelites, it was very clear. You knew the faith of Abraham because of what he did, what he was willing to do. Faith looks like something. Think of how Jesus talks about it. Blessed is the one who hears the word of God and does the word of God. Maybe it's a little bit easier to understand if we look at words that are based on faith. What does it mean to be with faith? Confido. Confidence. That's what confidence means. If I have confidence, it means I have faith in you. But there's no little switch on our back that we can flip and suddenly makes us confident. You can only become confident through lived experience. I was confident that Brenda would come out and be swept off her feet by me. By the end, I was confident that I was a fool, but it was based on experience. That's how confidence grows. So Abraham is deservedly a giant. He had no experience. But for all of us, we have Abraham. And of course, for us Christians, we have all those disciples and witnesses who were with Jesus. But think of how they grew in confidence because we know a lot more about their lives. It was usually one step forward, two steps back. Think of how Peter's confidence grew and waned. And that's what it looks like for most of us. But still, it's that strong encouragement. Faith matters because it steers or should steer how we act. And so I'd just like to suggest, if we want to grow in faith, if we want to grow in confidence, there's no shortcut. It's not the way we sometimes talk about faith. Maybe if I just know enough, then it'll all become clear to me. Certainly, we should strive to learn more and more, and certain mysteries will be open to us. But at the end of the day, in the Christian spiritual life, it has to be fed by encounter, and those encounters have to be acted upon. And I'd like to suggest that every one of us has a little Abrahamic voice kind of whispering in our ear from the God we know much better than Abraham knew his. Hey, this is what you need to do. Get up and go here. Maybe that's visiting an old relationship that seems to have been long dead. Maybe that means extending forgiveness or asking for forgiveness. Maybe that means looking back into our own past and saying there's something here that needs to be brought back to life. I need to face, I need to seek help. Maybe that means, like Abraham, looking into our future at a distant horizon. And there's this nagging sense of here's where I need to go. Not that it's necessarily a place, but maybe it's an action or a conviction. 
but there's something here I shouldn't just be sitting back on, waiting for somebody else to take it, or saying, I'll eventually get there when the time is right. Biblical faith looks like something. You can point to it. You can say, that's what he did on Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. He or she is a person of faith. And so just a little spiritual exercise as we move into this 19th week of ordinary time is to ask yourself with brutal honesty, is that encouragement, is that voice, sometimes it's a whisper, sometimes it's a scream, is there something there that I'm being nudged to act upon? And if there's any sense in us, and we're human, so there's almost always a counter voice, don't do it, don't do it now, you'll make a fool of yourself, what if it doesn't work, somebody else can handle it, then maybe a little prayer as we continue on in this Eucharistic celebration. Lord, grant me the wisdom to hear your voice and the courage to act upon it. Lived faith shouldn't end with a fifth grader waiting in the rain. Lived faith should continue to move us for the rest of our lives. And it truly should look like something that other people can recognize as well.